Blog Talk Radio. Trainers' reactions are going to hear from Jimmy Tactor, Mark McDonald, uh, Casey Coleman. Uh, Mike Carter was able to get uh, Casey's interview right after uh, the celebration. Of course, betting line wins easy in 149. We have a lot to cover on this program, a lot going on. Mike Carter, I'm not even sure where to begin, to be quite honest with you. You know, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And when David Miller turned for home and opened up, he just the roar from the crowd was probably louder than Wiggle Jiggle last year. Yeah, we have a lot to get into on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Of course, we're going to have Jug reaction. Uh, we're hoped uh, we're going to be hoped we're hoped to be joined by the USDA's Allison Conti. She was live at the Jug. She had a chance to uh, talk to a lot of different people and feel the Jug experience. So too did one of our contributors, Jessica Otten uh, from Michigan. She made the trip to the, the uh, trek to the Little Brown Jug. She had a chance to experience it once again, and uh, she's going to talk to us uh, about uh, how the crowd reaction was and some of the other things that happened at the Little Brown Jug. Plus, Brian Sears, lots went on this past uh, week, and one of the things that happened was uh, three people uh, got uh, are going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, as it was announced. Uh, Gordon Waterstone, who will be on this program next week, uh, Steve Wolf, both, both into the communicator's side of the Hall of Fame, and uh, then it's uh, Brian Sears, the newest member of the Hall of Fame, and uh, Brian Sears does have some drives coming up at Yonkers, so he is going to join us right at the top of the hour, or else we would lead off with Jug, but we're going to have to lead off with Brian because he's uh, got some uh, horses in the second race. But uh, before we get to Brian, Mike, I'm going to turn to you because you were there. You had a chance uh, to be in the winner's circle, to be right there amongst the crowd, amongst the cheering fans. His uh, betting line made it look very, very easy in a time of 149, a world record for three-year-old cold paces. Mike, before we get to Brian, your thoughts? 
you know, it, it was a interesting, interesting uh, afternoon. You know, Racing Hill didn't get the best in his elimination um, in the race that was won by Mark McDonald and trainer Jimmy Tactor. And betting line just looked like he won it so easily. We talked a little bit to Casey Coleman in the winner's circle after the jug, and I don't want to spoil it, but she's just so impressed by betting line. And I have to agree with her, Mike. You know, he just looks like such a great, great racehorse. And uh, she talks a little bit about what she did to betting line after that little bit of a uh, hiccup at Northfield Park. Yeah, and the horse has gone on to win, uh, I believe, 13 straights, the uh, the winning streak now. And uh, betting line, she she talked a little bit afterwards. And uh, on the jug interview, I don't know if she really said anything to your interview because this was kind of a bang-bang thing. You had just sent it to me. And uh, we're going to hold off on it because we, we really have to get Brian Sears here on the program, and he's got a, a drive in the second race at Yonkers. So we're really waiting on his call, and uh, we want to uh, you know get his thoughts on the Hall of Fame and get him back on his way so we can get onto the, onto the racetrack for the second second race at the Yonkers, but uh, yeah, betting line was phenomenal. Uh, 149. Uh, Mike, real quick before Brian, uh, maybe some thoughts on uh, the jug at yesterday, LA delight and uh, perhaps another controversial call, uh, you know, coming across in the heats and uh, did he make a break? Didn't he? Didn't she? I don't know for crying out loud, but nonetheless, let's not take it away from her. The jug at she was dynamite. You know, she raced really well, but, you know, again, like you said, controversy taints things, and, uh, you know, I'm going to hold my comments on this one. All right, but we are going to comment on it, so you're not going to uh, <laughs> want to go away. We are going to talk a little bit about it uh, because uh, it is out there. And uh, another thing we're going to talk about, we've got a busy show, so just don't go anywhere. Uh, and we're going to talk all about it when we come back. But first, it's going to be Brian Sears. He's going to be joining us in just a second. We're going to talk about uh, the announcement. Uh, about his Hall of Fame induction, and we'll do so right after this on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz, and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. And right now we're joined by the newest inductee into the Hall of Fame, driver Brian Sears. Brian, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Oh, 
Yep, over at Yonkers Raceway, and I know you're getting ready to go on the track for the second race and not too far, so we promise that we're not going to keep you very long, but we certainly had to get your comments because it was certainly well-deserved. I mean, fifth on the all-time money list, approaching 10,000 wins, uh, 14th place in wins, 26 Breeders' Crown titles, uh, just an unbelievable career, and you're still young, my friend. You're only 48, a lot to come. (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, I got got a little to look forward to yet, but uh, it does give me a chance to reflect and uh, see and think about some of the great horses that I've driven in the past, and uh, it's a real honor. Certainly has to be, and uh, the move out east, Brian. Let's talk a little bit about that um, because you were driving at the Meadows, and then you were down at Pompano at Pocono for a little bit, and then you decided to make the move for the race to commit to driving at, at the Yonkers in the Meadowlands. What was the thought process behind that move? Um, you know, a lot of people suggested it to me. I got a lot of exposure that winter down at Pompano had a tremendous meet and, um, it just seemed like the right move at the time because it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, no question about it. And then, uh, listen, you made the move out East and it was just uh, unbelievable. And some of the great horses that you've driven, of course, uh, Muscle Hill and Broadway Schooner back in 2009. Bryant is, by the way, the only driver to win the Hambo and the Oaks twice and then be a magician and royalty for life. Let's take you back to 2009 when you're able to accomplish that feat. How special of a day was that in your career? Oh, it, it was uh, it was a very humbling day, you know, to uh, win with Broadway Schooner and um, in a tight photo, it just gave me goosebumps when they put her number up. I couldn't believe it, but uh, I knew I had the horse to win the win the Hambo the 2008 when I won the Breeders' Crown. Um, I thought Muscle Hill was going to be the one that uh, could get it done for me, and uh, he didn't let me down. And then you fast forward to 2013 with another couple of great ones, Royalty for Life and the Queen, one of the greatest of all times, being a magician. It was uh, had to be like deja vu for you. What was going through your, uh, your head when you accomplished that task back in 2013? You know, it, it's just a great satisfaction. I and uh, Royal Feud for Life, he was a little bit of a tough horse to drive, but, um, you know, he was great that day, and, uh, you know, the trip worked out perfect. I didn't get uh, bothered, didn't, didn't get jammed up. I didn't think I wanted the rail, but that's the way the luck of the draw came out, and I uh, was able to time the gate perfect and get him out of there on the right foot and uh, control the race. Then, of course, everybody remembers the 2015 Hambo with uh, Pinkman versus the mayor and the big, uh, the big choice, Yannick Jingra. Everybody in the stands, and who's Yannick going to choose? Who's Yannick going to choose? And you ended up with Pinkman. Talked about when uh, he crossed the finish line first. You know, just because, you know, I had a possibility to uh, drive Pinkman because of the connections with Be a Magician, also on Pinkman. And um, when I saw the, the draw come out, I loved that he was inside the mayor. A little funny behind the gate, so you know, careful, careful with her. But um, I knew I had the horse that could get it done, but it's still my job to get it done, and I was uh, I was really satisfied uh, to be able to do that and get get another handball. Visiting with the newest Hall of Famer, Brian Sears. Brian, before we let you go, you've driven some great ones. I mean, Rock and Roll Hanover, Muscle Hill, Be a Magician, uh, Royalty for Life, just a lot of great horses. Pinkman, any? Uh, can we pin you down? And who is your favorite horse to drive out of all those? Hill, he was just—he was just a tremendous horse. And uh, like I said, when I started driving at, at two, I knew that he was a horse that could get it done. And uh, he never let me down, that's for sure. When I hit the track with him, I went with a lot of confidence. Brian, did you did you have a chance to watch the Little Brown Jug this year? 
Yes, I did. And uh, betting line, he looked like he was a class head, you know, class head and shoulders above them, and uh, he, he proved it today. But uh, it was a big effort, and uh, yeah, it went easy. But I, I thought he was the best, and and uh, and he went pretty handy. Certainly, one forty nine. Well, what's ahead for Brian Sears? Uh, just much of the same, just nose to the grindstone. Uh, are we can we expect anything different? Yeah. What's in the future for one Brian Sears? I, I look to go down to uh, Lexington for a couple of weeks and uh, drive a few for George Ducharme and uh, pick up a few drives down there. That's one of my favorite um, times of uh, being in the harness business, going to Lexington in the fall. It's just a great atmosphere, a great place to be that time of year, and uh, I really enjoy that. So looking to do that, and then I'll race race here the overnights and, uh, and take it from there. Maybe I'll have a couple in the Breeders' Crown this fall at the Meadowlands and we'll see what happens. All right. Well, Brian Sears, you got a full slate at Yonkers to go. And, uh, hey, listen, I, I called 14 at Harris Philly, so my day's coming to an end after I click end on this show, and your night's just beginning. Good luck <laughs> to you, my friend. Pleasure watching you drive, and uh, congratulations on your Hall of Fame induction. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great night. All right, that was Brian Sears uh, joining us live from Yonkers. And, uh, well, his phone was cutting in just a little bit in and out. But, uh, Mike, you know how that Yonkers paddock could be. And uh, let's see if Mike's got a stable line, because I know Mike's out in Ohio and uh, Brian's <laughs> yeah, out in New York. Mike, you sound, you sound good. You sound crystal clear so far. Listen, I, I, I switched uh, cell phone providers to Verizon, so uh, maybe that'll have something to do with it. <laughs> Did your bill go up or down? Can you hear me now? Can you hear it went, you know, it went up just a little bit, but listen, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, well, that's there all. you go. That's all. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a time. We're gonna take a, We're gonna take a time out, Mike. You had a chance to get some great interviews, um, and uh, actually, we're gonna be looking back a little bit because you had a chance to talk to Mark McDonald and Jimmy Tactor before, uh, or excuse me, right after Western Fame was able to win the win the uh, heat, the first heat of the Little Brown Jug, or the second heat rather. And uh, then we're going to uh, play your interview with Casey Coleman right after. Uh, the race uh, in which betting line put on a sparkling performance, 149. Plus, we've got a lot more to come. Uh, we're going to see if we're going to be joined by the USDA's Allison Conti. I know the races ran a little long, uh, so she, I know she had a lot to do back there at the Little Brown Jug. She was uh, obviously in, uh, on assignment for the USTA, so we're going to uh, see if we can hear from her. Jess Scott will definitely be on the program. We're going to hear from her. Plus, around the horn, there's still some great action coming up. It doesn't end with the Little Brown Jug on Saturday. We got great racing action from Yonkers and Mohawk, and we'll talk a little bit about that all coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Here at the stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up, up to $300 with Bet America's 100% deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way. 
The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. What a day it has been! And Mike, you had a chance to witness a lot of this firsthand of uh, all the going ons today in Delaware, Ohio. Uh, and yesterday, we talked about LA Delight uh, crossing the line, making the break. Did she do it in, in one of the heats? Did she do it there? One of the limbs, rather? Did she do it before or after the wire? Uh, you know, uh, betting line, uh, a great horse. Um, you know, 13 straight, but uh, it was announced earlier in the week that this horse uh, is going to be retiring to stud after the three-year-old season. Mike, another conversation <laughs> for, uh, that perhaps uh, we need to get into. And, you know, listen, it was uh, on social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter, certainly the talk uh, about, uh, you know, what's good for the sport and what's not good for the sport. And, and uh, we'll, uh, we may even dive into that in uh, just a couple of minutes, but Mike, you did have a chance to uh, get some interviews with some of the major players today uh, in the little Brown jug. Uh, and first of all, we're going to start and we're doing this a little differently. So uh, we're going because of the timing issue, Mike Carter, you had to give me these emails very, or these, uh, yeah, these emails with these interviews very, very quickly. Uh, you had a chance to catch up with Jimmy Tactor. These are live unedited. So, uh, I haven't even heard him yet. So, uh, please forgive me whatever comes up. Mike, you didn't say anything uh, bad in these interviews, did you? No, I, as far as I know now, Jimmy Tactor's interview, um, my question, my second question kind of got a little bit garbled and I, I really didn't know what I wanted to ask him. So it may sound a little bit goofy, but, uh, you know, everything is, uh, I promise, everything is PG. Oh, that's what we're looking for, PG. Okay. Jimmy Tactor, uh, this was uh, right after the second elimination win with uh, Western fame. Let's, uh, let's listen. Here live with trainer Jimmy Tactor. And, Jimmy, we've talked to you a ton on our show, uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. You draw the rail in the second uh, the second heat. What's your uh, game plan going into that race? Are you going to leave the shoes off like you did in the first one? Yeah, we're going to do exactly the same. We're going to go for a run, you know, and uh, give it a shot and uh, and try to steal the race and, and leave hard. Now, I noticed in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final, he really closed home strongly. He closed home in 28-2, and two, which may seem a little bit soft for this type of pacer, but he had to close into some really, really tepid fractions. Today, the fractions were a little bit softer, still finished in 150 and one. Do you think maybe uh, if they go too fast on the front end, maybe kind of sit back off the pace a little bit and see what happens, or you just want to give it a shot and give it your best? Hey, we go for it. I think we go for it. We, 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 we keep to the plan, just send them down the road, and, and you know, betting line is not really that quick out, but, uh, you know, betting line had to beat it from outside, and, uh, you know, I'm betting line is it's a fast horse, so it's, it's not going to be easy, but uh, we got to give it a shot. Now, obviously, Western Fame was a winner here in this elimination. Let's talk a little bit about Lion Slider. Uh, what did you think what of did the you draw? Uh, I didn't see that, actually. Um, 
what, what did you think of this trip in the uh, in the first half? I, I was very happy how he raced because it was a slow shot, soft 56 and 2 or to the half, and he came first up. He, he probably didn't go much more than 56 and 4, 56 and the 57 to the half, and he paced outside. He's more a strong horse and he did quick horse, so I think he's, he, he could be a he could be a little sleeper in this race. Hi, right, Jimmy. I appreciate. It. Did Jimmy ask you what he drew? Yeah, he did. Um, I was, well, yeah, he did because he was giving interviews, and uh, I was listening to trying to listen to Roger uh, talk about the draw. And I heard about. I, I just happened to be interviewing Mark McDonald when the draw came out, and you'll hear that in my interview with him. So. All right. So, uh, yeah, Roger was in the background. Obviously, there was a post spraying going on. Uh, and uh, you interviewed, uh, had a chance to interview driver Mark McDonald uh, a couple of minutes later. And, Mike, real quick, before we get into that interview, um, let's talk just real briefly about uh, the second elimination. Because, and I think it had something, certainly uh, something to do with the finals, because uh, the heavy favorite, Racing Hill, was sitting in the pocket early on. And well before the quarter, uh, moved to the outside and was going to try to sweep. And, of course, everybody's thinking Western Fame is going to release and sit in the pocket. But, Mike, that was not the case. No, not at all. And the it's an unconfirmed report at this point. Um, I didn't have a chance to talk to um, to Racing Hills trainer Tony Alania, but it's an unconfirmed report that uh, that he might have been tying up. So, you know, it, it just – you know, he didn't get the best trip, and Tony Alania felt for the sake of, you know, his horse that, you know, that they not race the second elimination. Right, but the Western Fame was able to draw the rail in that second elimination and uh, would not cede the lead to uh, Racing Hill and uh, was able to last on the front. And you had a chance to catch up with Mark McDonald shortly after, and let's uh, hear what uh, Mark had to say. Here with Mark McDonald, the winner with Western Fame in the second division of the Little Brown Jug. Talk to us a little bit about the trip. Western Fame went right to the lead, and he came out. He's coming out of a very good race in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final at the Meadows. Yeah, he, he raced huge out there. I got I got parked, uh, you know, past the quarter, and uh, you know, I just kept, you know, I, I, Yannick let me go with the uh, I removed and uh, and removed. I sat the two old, but I was getting to him late, and uh, you know, Jimmy thought he'd get around this track good, and uh, you know he. He pulled his front shoes off, and he thought he'd get him around the turns, and it did, and he was awesome. Now, they had to set some a lot faster fractions at the Meadows last time out. Today, the fractions were still pretty uh, pretty hardcore, but, you know, it didn't seem to affect him all that much. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, I think that's his forte is just kind of roll. He's a speed horse, and he likes to rock, so, uh, you know, that was that was kind of my job was to rock him. And, and uh, you know, it, uh, it worked out. You know, it could have went either way, and uh, the horse was really good. I got lucky. Now, we've been lucky. Roger Houston just announced you drew the rail for the final, or, well, what is going to be the second heat second. of the Little Brown Jug. How does that, uh, you know, maybe affect your game plan going into the final, or does it not affect it at all? I'm going to be really aggressive, you know. I'm, I mean, uh, and I'm going to hope that uh, we win again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the uh, betting line's a great horse. There's a lot of great horses in there, and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to drive them the way I just drove them. And, and uh, you know, it's his day, it's his day. If it's not, I just hope for some luck. Appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, and I think, uh, Mike, that was uh, the plan, certainly, because in the in the uh, second heat, um, Western Fame, Saturday pocket, uh, moved to the outside, was able to retake the lead, 
and uh, heading to the half in front of the fans in the stands for the first time, that's when betting line made his move. And I really think, Mike, that Mark McDonald had every intention to try to throw the caution in the wind right there and to try to challenge. But it really seemed that betting line just overpowered him right before the half there. And Mike Carter, well, <laughs> Mike either Mike either uh, forgot to put his mute button off uh, or whatever. But uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to listen to Casey Coleman's interview. And uh, this is something that I have not had a chance to uh, hear. I didn't uh, really had a chance to hear a little of the other two interviews uh, as well. But uh, anyway, here is Mike Carter had a chance to catch up with Casey Coleman, trainer of betting line, right after uh, the Little Brown Jug. Let's, uh, let's see what uh, Mike's got. Winning trainer Casey Coleman and Casey, betting line looked absolutely superb in both heats. He had to come a little bit tougher of a trip in the first heat, but in the second heat, he just looked absolutely strong. Were you concerned at all? Yeah, he looked awesome. The first, uh, he actually had a really good trip the first heat trip. He was second over behind a horse advancing cover, and uh, Dave gave him a perfect drive, and actually it was a really good trip. Um, when he come first over early, I know he had to do what he had to do, but I was worried about how hard we'd have to work to make front, but he got there, and uh, then it was all from there. Now, I know you've answered this question a couple of times already, but for us, uh, where does betting line go to next from here? Uh, he, he's shipping home tomorrow morning. His next paid in stake is the Ontario Super Finals. Um, possibility we may supplement him into Lexington, which is in a couple weeks. Now, I saw betting line at Northfield. He made a couple of steps going around the turn. What did you have to correct coming to the half mile here at the judge? I brought his hobbles in uh, an inch from where they were before. I put, added a jawbreaker so that he can steer, Dave can steer him a little better. Um, I didn't know he was going to get rough like that, obviously, and I'm extremely happy. We went to Northfield now to to learn that before we came to the jug, but uh, we, we overcame and he kept it going. Casey, congratulations on your third little brown jug. Thank you, I appreciate it. Third little brown jug for trainer Casey Coleman, fourth for driver Dave Miller, and uh, Mike Casey obviously making some equipment adjustments, as did Jimmy Tactor with uh, Western fame. So uh, certainly a lot of chess being played as far as equipment goes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jimmy talked a little bit about uh, the shoes being removed. Um, from his horse in the second heat or second division rather. And of course, Casey, you know, we all remember in the Milstein, uh, he, you know, sort of bobbled and came like flying back for uh, driver, David Miller. And, uh, you know, it obviously, um, it obviously affected the performance because betting line just absolutely looks sharp. Not a flaw in his step today. Okay. Don't go anywhere. We've got Jess Scott and going to be joining us here in just a moment, uh, where she's going to talk a little bit about her experience at the little Brown jug, uh, is, uh, she was uh, able to partake uh, as a fan and that's the best way to do it. Mike, if you're going to part, Hey, if you're going to part, listen, if you're going to partake in the little Brown jug, do it as a fan. Cause as you found out today, it's pretty hard work, isn't it? It is very hard work. And, uh, but listen, before we go to commercial, Mike, I, I want to yeah. touch on two things, if that's okay. Number one, uh, we did talk about breaking news today. Wiggle it, jiggle it, will not be supplementing to the Breeders' Crown. I talked to Clyde Francis, and, you know, what he had to say made sense. I won't repeat what he said on, you know, live on the show. If anybody wants to know, maybe you can reach out. I, I don't even know that I would say it. But, you know, what he had to say made a lot of sense. And number two, and this is for all of harness racing, you can't, you know, yes, there's a story out there currently uh, about, you know, something that went down last night or this morning in the jug barn and there's text messages, what have you. No, none of us, me or you, or, you know, the important people have seen or saw these text messages and they investigated it fully, obviously, and betting line was allowed to race. But one thing we have to remember as an industry is that, you know, if 
if the the truth will come out. And so uh, obviously there was a little bit of controversy today. If you followed Twitter or Harness Racing Update or Horse Plop, uh, you understand that there was some controversy regarding some text messages and betting line. And, you know, there, there's unconfirmed reports out there. And, Mike, we're not here to spread lies or rumors or anything of that sort. We're here to report the news. And uh, I know and Allison Conti with the I know uh, Allison Conti with the USTA, um, they got some really good quotes. I'm sure they will post those later on. But uh, at this current moment, obviously nothing is confirmed. There's no, you know, the, you know, Casey has I, – I listened to Casey talk to reporters after the first heat. Mike, if you don't mind, I'm going to repeat a little bit about what she said. Yep, yep, go ahead. As a matter of fact, let, let's do this. Hold, Mike, hold on one second. We're going to take a real okay. quick timeout, Mike. Let's take a real quick timeout. You still there? Yep, I'm here. Okay, let's take a real quick timeout, and we're going to do that right on the other side of this break. We do have Jessica Otten coming up, uh, so stay tuned for that. But, Mike, we're going to do that on the other side of this break. So hold the thought. We do have to get to a commercial. When we come back, we'll have more. It's your little brown jug after party on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Ben America. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Jessica Otten is uh, standing in the on deck circle. Uh, Mike Carter, you were in the middle of saying something when we had to go to a commercial break, but uh, go ahead. Okay, uh, Casey was talked to reporters after the um, after the first heat, and she was very open with them, Mike. And she, you know, she flat out said she would pay for testing to go to Hong Kong, what have you. They, she offered to have them, you know, test the horse there. So. You know, listen, we understand that there are bad people and bad things in racing, but before anybody goes accusing anyone of any wrongdoing, I think uh, all the facts need to come out first uh, in these type of situations. We don't ever want to get in a situation where we're doing a witch hunt. And believe me, uh, we try to pro- uh, promote the positive things on this show, but at the same time, our heads aren't buried in the sand. And we know that certain things exist, and we know that this sport has a lot of work to do to clean its game up before. And, and this is one of my big things, Mike, even before we present it to the public. And I know a lot of people say, well, we have to market it, and we have to do this, and we have to do that. And my opinion is, before we even think about doing that, we have to clean up our own house, and we have to make sure that we have a legitimate product, an honest product to send out to, to the general public before we even invite anybody in. And, uh, you know, like I say, but the worst thing that can happen, Mike, the worst thing that can happen is that we start the spread of lies and rumors. And this is exactly what's going to happen on social media. Um, you know, you get some people that are just going to start things. And listen, they very well may be right. They might be right. No question about it. We're not saying if they're right. We're not saying if they're wrong. All we're saying is that you have to have 
the legislative or not the legislative. You have to have the investigating and all them processes. You have to let them play out. You have to let people do their job and get to the bottom of it. And, uh, you know, hopefully now, whether that is done in a sufficient manner, that's a debate for another day. Certainly a debate for another day. But I think we have to let those processes play out, Mike. Real, real quick, and then we'll get to Jessica. Um, again, we are not trying to, you know, we're not trying to start rumors. We're not trying to do any of that. We're just, you know, we're explaining exactly what happened. And then to be quite honest with you, I would have never brought this up had Casey not had spoken with reporters immediately following right. the first heat. So had Casey not spoken with reporters into the USTA about this issue and, you know, us all standing there, then, you know, obviously we would, uh, you know, we would not have touched on it. But, you know, like I said, we're not saying it happened. We're not saying it didn't happen. All we're saying is that, you know, this is what's being discussed. And, uh, you know, we just kind of go from there. Let's see how it plays out. Right now we're going to uh, bring in Jessica Otten. Uh, Jessica has been a contributor of ours in the past. She does a wonderful job out in her home state of Michigan, and she's been traveling outside the Michigan borders, and she had a chance to uh, partake in the Little Brown Jug once again. Jessica, thank you for joining our show again tonight. Thank you for having me. Jessica, let's first talk about... Uh, before we get into this year's Little Brown Jug, we know you've been at the Brown Jug before, and uh, we know you have some memories that you'd like to share. So I'm going to let you lead off with it because that's something that when we were talking back and forth uh, earlier uh, off the air, that's something you wanted to bring up. So go ahead and bring up some uh, Little Brown Jug memories in the past, from the past. So my, okay, so my first year that I came down here, which would have been three years ago, my parents surprised us on coming down here, and it just so happened that Let's Drink On It was in one of the divisions, and I grew up around Tina and Joe Seekman, so they're good family friends of ours, and he happened to win one of the divisions, and they invited us to go to the winner's circle, and the amount of excitement and energy and joy everybody had in the winner's circle, it was like I wanted to cry, and I had nothing to do with the horse, I was just friends with Joe and Tina, but it's just so amazing to see everybody on their toes and on their feet in the grandstands, on the backside, on the, or in the, um, Paddock everywhere. It's just unbelievable the amount of excitement everybody has for it. And it just it gets my heart racing. I get goosebumps when they come down the stretch. It's just amazing. One of the now, Jessica, things. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, sorry. Now, Jessica, no, you it's were all right. today. And when betting line turned for home, the roar from the crowd was absolutely unreal. Talk to us a little bit about what that's like and uh, the experience there. It was absolutely amazing. I'm a huge fan of Casey Coleman's. I went down to Florida to watch Bidding Line Train when I was on spring break. I know it's not the typical college spring break. I went and traveled around a bunch of different farms in Florida. But he was just amazing training down. So when I found out he was going to come to the jug, I was just so excited that I was going to be able to watch him race in person. And when the crowd stood on their feet, <laughs> I had – my, I was shaking. My arms were full of goosebumps. I was so excited because, like I said, I'm a huge Casey Coleman fan. So, of course, I'm a betting line fan, and it was just absolutely unbelievable the amount of excitement came from the fans. Visiting live with Jessica. Now, Jessica, you know, you've got the Hamiltonian. You've got the Breeders' Crown. Uh, you've got all the great Grand Circuit action that takes place in Lexington and all the other uh, great stakes races and so forth uh, in harness racing throughout the country. What makes the Little Brown Jug, in your opinion, different from, say, events like the Hamiltonian or the Breeders' Crown? Well, I've never been to the Hamiltonian or Breeders' Crown. I've just watched on the TV. But experiencing the Little Brown Jug, I think it's the atmosphere of the fans. Honestly, they're all up on the fence. They're 12 lines deep with chairs on the back stretch. I mean, 
other than the little brown jug and a few of the bigger um, final races for the breeders or whatever that they do for the sire state courses in Ohio, drivers don't mind going around in circles going for $1,500 because the atmosphere is absolutely amazing. It's like one big family, whether you're a fan, whether you're an actual horse person, whether you're racing in the jug, it's just it's just amazing to be a part of. I, I If I were to race on Little Brown Jug Day, I don't think I could handle it because of all the people here, but I'd absolutely love to to partake in the Little Brown Jug one day. Even if I just got a paddock of horse, it would be pretty cool. (laughs) Now, Jessica, we obviously let's drink on it was your first one and probably one of your most favorite memories. Is there anything that kind of sticks out or jumps out at you from today that maybe, uh, you know, like kind of like last year when Wiggly Jiggly was going at it with Lost for Words, is there anything that jumps out at you that kind of, you know, makes this year uh, a special one? Um, well, like I said, I'm a huge Casey Coleman fan, so it was really cool to see her get her third, um, little brown jug. I mean, other than that, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous because I do watch a lot of horse, horse races, and when betting line made a break in the mill scene, I was a little nervous, and I told my dad, I said, how is he going to be on this half-mile track? And so when she said she brought his hobbles up a bowl and did a few other things, like at a jawbreaker, I was like, well, that was pretty smart, you know, and he looked, he looked really good, and I was, I don't know, it was just pretty cool to just see him go. I mean, he's an unbelievable animal. David Miller didn't even touch him with the whip in the elimination race. I mean, he's just unbelievable. He loves what he does, and you can totally tell it. Jessica, listen, you've been, and I know you're from Michigan. You're from my neck of the woods. And, uh, you know, you're the daughter of Pete Otten, and Pete drives uh, or did drive at a lot of the fairs in Michigan, and we've been up and down the fair circuit of Michigan, and we saw the glory days uh, of that state. And, you know, you go to the Little Brown Jug, and one of the things, in my opinion, that makes the Brown Jug so great, like you talked about, is the county fair atmosphere, or the fair atmosphere, so to speak, where you have people that are just fans of harness racing, not necessarily so much into the wagering aspect of it, but are just big-time fans of harness racing. Jessica, in your opinion, what do you think that the paramutual facilities can learn or take away from the county fairs and the, and the fairs in general? Oh, my. I I have no idea. I wasn't able to make it to a bunch of county fairs this year. I made it to the last um, two or three, I think it was. But I think because... If they only race there once a year, I think it's because people want to get out and watch it. Like, I'm going to use Northville as an example just because that's where we're racing at. People around Northville are going to get tired of coming to the races every Friday and Saturday night. It's just hard to attract new people because you don't know what your average Joe Small wants to see at the races. I mean, it's really hard, like you guys said, with the marketing and advertising, it's really hard to, like, read into people and see what they want to see at the races. Yeah, your first time at the races is going to be exciting. Yeah, your first time in the starting car is going to be exciting. I mean, for me, every race is exciting just because it's in my blood, but I honestly can't answer that question. I don't know. I don't know if it's because, like I said, they race here once a year and everybody wants to be here. It's the top horses. I I really couldn't answer that question as good as I have for you. Jessica, before we let you go, um what's uh, what's ahead for Jessica? And I know you've you know you've had some uh, uh good horses uh in your time that uh, you were working on with uh, your dad and your racing stable and and uh, doing some things racing horses in Michigan. Uh, what what's uh, in the future? We're going to stick around in the game? Uh I plan to. I bought a yearling last year. Um we're working on a few corks with her. It's very frustrating. I've never really bought a yearling and worked from the bottom up. I broke her myself. My dad trained her down for me. Um, I haven't had a horse in about two or three years, but the other ones I was younger, so I was just 
woo, I own a racehorse, but I'm trying to get her to the races. I don't know where my dad's going to go after um, Northville closes. But um, for me, I'm going to have to stay home because I have to stay in school. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I plan on staying in the business as owning horses and um, trying to get a job with the USTA one day or something. Because as everyone always tells me, don't stick with horses your whole life, I can't see myself not doing it. So if I can be up in the business and not just be a groom or an owner or a trainer, actually have a name for myself, I think I think I could be pretty successful in that category. Right. I'm going for business management. So we'll see. Okay, well, I don't know. Well, it's hard to look. They, listen, you're gonna have you're gonna have your own stable one of these days and you're gonna be kicking butt, I'm sure. Jess, listen, we really appreciate you joining us. I know Mike Carter wants to have a word with you off the air, so stick around. I'm gonna put you back on the mute and uh and uh so stick around. Don't go anywhere for the next minute, okay? Okay. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that was uh, Jessica Otten, uh, one of the uh, contributors of this show. And uh, by the way, Mike, I think she is uh, she's young, so she speaks from a little bit of a different, at least from me, I should say. She speaks from a little bit of uh, a generation gap. So in my opinion, when people like her say something and when they express their views about the way that the sport is heading in a marketing direction, I think we should take the opportunity to listen. No, I completely agree. I mean, you know, she's younger than me, obviously, but – you know, us young folks, uh, you know, we're we're doing our best and trying to make sure that we, uh, you know, try to promote and market the sport and give our ideas out there. Okay. We still have a lot left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. You've got the Little Brown Jug after party. We still have to go around the horn uh, to talk about some of the races coming up this weekend, some good races coming up on Saturday at Mohawk and Yonkers, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Plus, we're still going to uh, talk uh, some Little Brown Jug after this timeout. Mike, still have a couple of things to discuss. It's been a whirlwind couple of days in uh, Delaware, Ohio. So uh, we're going to be right back after this important timeout. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike present. By Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Every dream has a start. And this one is ours. To trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. 
Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, congratulations to all the connections of betting line. You scored a 149 victory in the Little Brown Jug today. It was uh, the third Little Brown Jug win for trainer Casey Coleman, fourth Little Brown Jug driving win for Hall of Famer Dave Miller. And uh, Mike, you're uh, wrapping things up out there in Delaware, Ohio, and uh, obviously you had a chance to. Uh, kind of get in there and uh, get your hands dirty. And, and uh, I do have to ask you this. Now, I know that when you get into the winter, especially at a big event like the Little Brown Jug, it's, uh, it could be kind of a scrum, a scrum among the members to try to get uh, the particular person that you want to interview. Did you have to really fight Claw to, uh, to get the people you want to interview? Mike, Mike, can I get you to repeat what you asked? Because uh, you're breaking up. Do you have, we talked about the media and a lot of time in these big events, uh, you know, they'll be scratching and clawing trying to get uh, their particular interview, especially right after the race. Did you have to get in there and get your hands dirty and uh, kind of uh, fight and scrap and battle? Uh, a couple of times, yes and no. Um, you know, I talked to Casey and, uh, or I was, I was not able to get Casey after the first heat because they swooped her away. Um, obviously, uh, there was some media wanting to talk about, you know, the controversy and things, and that was fine. They swooped her away, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough there. But talking to Jimmy Tactor was really easy. I was able to get him to come right over to us. And, Mike, the one thing about our show is people are, you know, people trust us. And so when they see me or you in the winter circle, a lot of times they just kind of come on over and say, hey, let's do it. Usually when they see me, they run the other way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, Mike, uh, listen, we're going to go around the horn real quick, and then we're going to wrap things up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. But, uh, Mike, uh, real quick, uh, we already talked about one of the uh, potential uh, brewing controversies uh, that happened today in uh, the sport of harness racing over in Delaware, Ohio. But uh, a couple of days before the Breeders' uh, before the uh, Little Brown Jug, Casey Coleman uh, and crew made the announcement about betting line. Uh, being retired after this three-year-old campaign. And I know this is always a sore spot among some of the harness racing and horse racing in general, because you see it a lot more in thoroughbred racing, actually. But um, 
you know, it brought it. I think it brought out a sore spot amongst a lot of the the harness racing diehards that like to see the stars race on past three. And uh, here we have a potential good horse betting line. He's uh, got quite a winning streak. He's won 13 in a row. And now we're going to lose him after the three-year-old campaign. Mike, can I ask you your opinion, not so much maybe on betting line, but the three-year-olds retiring after a great three-year-old year. What are your thoughts on that? Here's the thing, Mike. You know, Father Patrick tried to breed and race at the same time. And, you know, we, we've talked to the connections of Father Patrick and, that, you know, he, he has said that, you know, that it didn't affect his racing career. They race overseas and they breed at the same time. You know, the way I look at it is they should be breeding and racing at the same time. Now, do I think there should be rules and things like that as far as, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this without being too non-PC. And I, I'm not even going to go there. But, what, you know, do I think there should be rules and things of that sort? No. But I, I think that, you know, some of these horses should get the opportunity to uh, to go on. You know, it's not every day we get the wiggle it, jiggle it, or what have you, that maybe a gelding, or foiled again for that matter, who's still racing at 12, and trainer Ron Burke has said he will probably race him until he's 14. You know, it, it's, it's a tough line to uh, to go against, but I, I just I don't think that betting lines should be retired. I think he's so good. And I think that, um, you know, his value can only go up if he was to continue past this three-year-old season. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, you have these guys uh, these and girls, and they're putting their blood, sweat, and tears into their investment. And for a lot of these uh, horse owners and trainers, that's what it is. It's an investment. And I don't think we lose sight of the fact that this is how these people make a living. And, you know, if the dollars are there to stop after the world campaign and read while the selling is good, then how can anybody fault them, in my opinion, for making the best business decision for their operation? And in my opinion, I don't think you can, but on the other side of the token, there does have to be some consideration for the sport as far as uh, the wellness of the sport and the health of the sport. And frankly, we've talked about like the health of the sport like that isn't too good. So it would definitely be in the best interest of the sport to keep the stars around. So I do think that the onus is fall in opinion on the owners, the trainer, everybody that has that decision to make. I think their responsibility is to look out for their best business interest. My, my opinion, I think that it may be because the sport doesn't really have a central governing body uh, to really lay down these kind of things. But I think the sport has to figure out a way to make it worth the time that the best business interests of these horses and these trainers and these and, the, and these uh, owners will be to race them in the four and five year old season somehow. We have to make it more profitable and worth their time to race the four- and five-year-old season, and maybe even further. Because you know what? Quite frankly, Mike, if betting line starts his four-year-old campaign and race is not as good, and all of a sudden his breeding stock goes down, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's the, the, the owners and the, the trainers that are going to have to, you know, that are going to have to uh, fit that bill. No, I completely agree. And, you know, it's, it's a business investment. I mean, it's just like any business. You gotta, sure. You've got to uh, – 
you, you know, you, you've got to look out for what's best for you. And at the same time, look out what's best for the horse. And, uh, you know, that's what a lot of businesses in, you know, in corporate America don't really have to look at. They, you know, they, yeah, they're worried about their employees, but the health of this horse, I mean, the horse could, if the horse, you know, breaks a leg going around the far turn, that's it. There is no more business. Yep. And so you have to, you know, you really, really have to look at, uh, you know, you have to weigh the that's right. And, you know, and we've seen it in other sports. I mean, we've seen, you know, listen, Barry Sanders retired, you know, right at his prime or before his prime. And we've seen football players and basketball players and baseball players and everybody else that have uh, retired at their prime or maybe even a little bit before, maybe after, you know, the pay, the, the payday is just that good that a lot of these uh, people say, well, what the heck's the risk for? I mean, what's in it for us? You know, so I, I can't ever, ever, ever fault anybody looking out for the best business interest of their operation and maybe if the sport looked out for the best business interest of its operation then it would make in my opinion i I think it would make it a lot easier for these owners and trainers to race their horses beyond three but like i say that's just my opinion and uh mike you know what they say opinions are like (laughs) yeah that's right well listen you know, and the great thing about this show, Mike, is, you know, we, we try to shed a positive light. We don't try to be negative, but, you know, the one thing about it is, you know, we, we're going to, we can give our opinions on things without, or without downgrading sport. And that's the one thing I like about, you know, what we do is, you know, we're able to give our opinions, hey, this is what we think should be, and then we, you know, kind of move on from there. Yeah, I mean, you have to have positive discussion. You have to be able to listen to people and listen to other different viewpoints, and and uh, you, you just can't go on social media and just pretend you know everything. I mean, you really have to stop and think and try to listen uh, to other people's viewpoints because there is always two sides to the story, always two sides, and maybe three sides and maybe four sides. But, uh, you know, I mean, one of the things that, that I have tried not to do is try – I've tried not to form an opinion on anything without trying to get everybody's side of the story. So I think it's important to do. And uh, like controversy here today, uh, you know, let the investigative process play out. Try to make sure that you have all the facts. And I'm not talking about all the opinions. I'm talking about all the facts before you come to a judgment. Mike, you ready to go around the horn? I'm going to go as around the horn as I can while driving, so just bear with me here. <laughs> so you are really truthfully going around the horn. Listen, I don't want you to have to – I don't want you to end up on the, on the side of the road somewhere or, or cutting anybody off or anything like that. So, uh, you know, be real no, careful I, about I, it. I, I, I definitely. But listen, real quick, before we go into this, yeah. and, I yeah. know Fran, and I know Francine is listening, so I'm going to give her a hard time here. Francine, oh, I know you can hear me. They're both named Harrington again. <laughs> Great. We'll never get programmed from now. You know what? Next week we're gonna have to start paying, Mike. Thanks a lot. We're no, no more freebies. No, listen, listen. On mine they say both say Harrington, but I, I figured out which one is which. So let's go. Uh, uh, let's go around. The, Francine, I know you're listening. I love you. It's still, I'm just messing with you. The, yeah, well, <laughs> so, listen. Do you, can we pay a couple of bills first? Can we go to a commercial break? Yeah, let's pay some bills. Let's do it. 
All right. When we come, oh, by the way, we have a big announcement to make. We've been we've been talking about this big announcement for a couple weeks, so we're going to do it right before we sign off, right after around the horn. But we're going to take a final timeout. When we come back, we're going to uh, go around the horn and uh, we'll make our big announcement. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. All right, we're wrapping things up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, we're going to take a trip to Mohawk first. Still some big racing action coming up this weekend, so I don't think the little brown jug was the extent of it. We're uh, going to go to Mohawk. And Mike, we'll keep this short because uh, I know you're on the road. You've got to head back. You've got some duties in Northfield Park that, uh, that you have to tend to, so uh, we'll make this uh, pretty quick. Uh, we'll go to uh, race number seven. It's the Milton final for Phillies. And- oh, wait a minute, Mike. Hold on a second. Oh, we can't. We got to make this official. We got to make what? this official. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. We have to make this official. Hold on. Around the horn is the easiest way, the better way, and that is how we will go. Anything more? Are you frightened to go around the horn, Mr. Christian? Are you a coward, too, sir? Now we can go around the horn, Mike Carter. Race (laughs) 7 is the Milton final for Phillies and Mares. $311,000. They're on the pace. Uh, Once again, uh, these uh, Phillies and Mares, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, these uh, gals are unbelievable. And here we go again with Lady Shadow. Uh, And once again, this is the seventh race on your Saturday Mohawk program. And, uh, Mike, how good has Lady Shadow been? I mean, she has been able to maintain her form. She's just been so solid here in 2016. And uh, another win Mike's going to put her right up close to that $700,000 mark in career earnings. And that's just unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. For this season, I should say. She's well over a million, but $700,000 for seasonal earnings. Yeah, Lady Shadow, uh, she's just been absolutely dominant as of late. The horse? Outside. You know, Doug McNair uh, didn't get the best trip, had to come first up last time out. I think uh, Solar Sister is going to be the horse to beat here. 
Yeah, Solar Sisters right there at 5 to 2 in the morning line, so that should be a great race. Uh, but some other good horses in there, too. Mike, you going to kiss me or not, obviously, is a horse that has just been uh, fantastic throughout her career. Wasmul is approaching the $1 million mark in career earnings. Venus Delight had over a $1 million in career earnings. She draws post 10, so it's going to be pretty tough for her uh, in that particular race. But uh, that's a great one. They have a lot. Ontario Cyrus thinks uh, that day. Uh, for persons of $50,000. So, uh, Mike, that is a pretty star-studded card, and that's coming up on Saturday uh, at the Mohawk uh, north of the border. By the way, speaking of our uh, friends north of the border, did you have a chance to catch up with Garnett Barnsdale today? I know he was out there at the Little Brown Jug. I did. We're, uh, we've actually got some breaking news regarding Garnett and Jessica Otten. That will be coming up this week. We're not going to re- reveal it tonight. Um, I've got to do some work and make sure that everything is on the up and up, but we will have some breaking news regarding those two coming up this week. All right. Well, Yonkers has a lot of great action, too. They've got uh, Winback Farm Pace, uh, New York Cyrus Stakes Finals all over the place. Uh, they're going for $225,000. Mike, I'm just going to roar through these real quick uh, uh, because I, I don't want you to, uh, to drive off the road. But uh, Tequila Monday against Planet Rock in their first leg. They're both uh, drawing outside, post seven, post eight, five to two, two to one, respectively, uh, on the board there with Robin Jane, the Hall of Famer, John Campbell, six of nine. So uh, the uh, two-year-old Philly Paces will clash there. It's pretty much the, the New York Science Stakes night, Mike. I mean, you've got Alarange, uh, the Farm Trot, and Race. Do you have any opinion on that first, or uh, you uh, focusing on the, the white lines there? No, I mean, I'm doing a little bit of both. I think Roaring to Go, Mike, has a very big shot. You know, I'm going to throw that race out at Tioga Downs. Two starts back at Yonkers, one by a three and three-quarter length in a final time of 153 and two. I think Roaring to Go could prevent, or excuse me, could present some very big value in that race. All right, looking for the value, Mike Carter. Glad I asked you. Second race is uh, the three-year-old Philly Trotters will be in action for a purse of $225,000. Fad Finance, a Trod Cement Sammer product, right now is 3-2 to two in the morning line. She has won 9-19. She's 5 for 11. She's only missed the board one time in 2016, and she's been doing fantastic work there. She draws post-5 after a near-miss against Miller at uh, Monticello. Your thoughts on that one? You know, it's tough for me to take a horse that's going to be three to two or lower, and a horse, it's a horse that, you know, I mean, granted, this horse is one, not one, one, not one, and one big thing about, and I'm not trying to knock Jim Moyle Jr., he makes all of his money on the Sire Stakes circuit, but he's not that good with trotters. And so I'm going to go to Goosebump Hanover, who's on the outside. The reason for this, Mike, is the last start in the $61,300 New York Sire Stakes at Monticello. Uh, this horse sat just back off the pace, closed home in 29-1, 156-1. Had Jim Morrill Jr. aboard that day, picks up Matt Kikali as obviously Jim Morrill Jr. picks off. Post seven is a little bit of a concern, but not really. If you're looking at the lines from the last race, uh, Moro was able to get Goosebump Hanover into a good position. So I think Goosebump Hanover, again, is a value play here. All right, Matt Kikaley won uh, the Harris Philly Driver Challenge uh, last Sunday, by the way. So Matt's certainly feeling it. Uh, race number three, the uh, two-year-old Colton Gelding Paces will be in action for that hefty $225,000 t- uh, purse. And, uh, Mike, one thing I can't stand is Funkin' Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Listen, we talked. I, listen, I we were we were messing around with John Boot and Shane. We had him on the show last week, and uh, Mike, you had to bring this horse up, Funkin' Waffles. And uh, well, I'll tell you what, he's just been performing lights out for our good buddy John Boot and Shane. 
Yeah, I think so. I think Funkin' Waffles is going to be the horse to beat here. Um, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, you have Be So Fast, who draws to the inside, and Mike, this horse can rock it off the gate. So I think if anybody is going to have a shot of beating Funkin' Waffles for the first turn, it's going to be Be So Fast. The big thing about this horse, though, Mike, is this horse doesn't, I mean, he can come first up, but he's got a lot of early speed. So it's going to be interesting to see what Jim Moyle Jr. does down on the gate the fourth race is uh, for the uh, two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters. They'll be in action. This is a little bit of a more of a wide-open uh, betting board. You've got Devious Man, the two-to-one morning line favorite, looking to extend, uh, extend his winning streak to four for uh, trainer Julie Miller and driver Andy Miller. I've got a little bit of a price play in here, and I know this horse doesn't uh, really uh, show too much if you're looking at the uh, overall stats, but how about Neon Lights? Look at that trip last time. was parked out from post two. Never saw a pylon. Jason Bartlett, who's the best uh, at Yonkers, gets the drive here. And uh, I think number three, Neon Lights, if uh, this horse could work out a trip for George Ducharme, has had many a great trotters, uh, has an opportunity to stun the world at 20 to 1. That's my pick, Mug. You know, I think Neon Lights has got a definite shot from the inside. You know, I'm going to throw out that last start of Batavia again. The horse was part of the mile, uh, finished it in two minutes, three fifths. And, you know, raced here at Yonkers, two starts back, and just tired just a little bit. But again, was parked out through the first quarter. I think if John Campbell, or excuse me, if um, if Jason Bartlett can get this horse a better trip, that he has a shot here. Three-year-old Philly Pace is in action in race five again, going for that two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar purse. And uh, you've got uh, what appears to be a three-horse race, Mike. No clouds, blue chip from post two, uh, who has won four of thirteen this year, three of his last five, and uh, she's been very, very good as of late. She's getting super bread uh, for the for, uh, for the uh, for the third time in the last four starts, and she's won with driver Brett Miller both times. So they. Uh, will reunite. Wishy-washy girl from post four is looking for a second straight win. She overcame a pretty tough trip to get the job done last time. We have the Ron training, Diamond Dance, who also was parked out last time and uh, was near miss at Batavia. So it really looks like this race is going to focus around those three. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Mike, Diamond Dance set a world record at Batavia last year um, in the New York Sire States. And in the Empire Breeders Classic, made a break. Obviously, you know, that was an uncharacteristic break for Diamond Dance. Um, so I think Diamond Dance is going to be the horse to beat for Trina Ron Burke and Mackie Kelly. Two-year-old Philly Trotters in action at race number six, uh, going for that $225,000 person. Barn Bella has been the dominant fellow. She's on four straight. Did have to scratch sick last time, so maybe that could be a concern. Her last start was September 2nd, so we're dealing with a 22-day layoff here, and she's coming to five in the morning line. Mike, does that leave her susceptible? Yeah, I think so, just a little bit. This horse is a half-sister to Barn Doll and Barn Babe, both horses that have been very strong. In fact, Barn Doll won today at Delaware, Ohio. Um, you know, the scratch stick, it worries me just a little bit. And, and you know, it wasn't a scratch that was um, – excuse me, one second. I had to sneeze. I can't believe, I can't believe that. Are you um, okay there? Yeah, I'm good. The scratch stick doesn't bother me as much, um, because, and, and and I'll explain why. You know, this horse from post seven, two starts back, um, raced from post seven and was able to raise the fractions and win. And so I think that, uh, you know, post position in a five-horse field wouldn't have really mattered. This horse is probably just sick, 
And uh, Barn Bell is coming off a little bit of a layoff, but I think she could have a shot here. Three-year-old Colton races in the seven for that $225,000 purse. This is a bit more of a wide-open board. Uh, is uh, Mike Carter desperately tries to get it together. He is rolling from five. Is coming off the qualifier, 56 and one. Look at the damage he's done. He's made over $200,000 this year. Missile has made over $300,000 this year. Brian Sears is the driver. Of course, we had a chance to talk to Brian earlier tonight. Uh, who do you like in here? You know, Missile J is Art Rooney winner and uh, really looks sharp in the Art Rooney and then has sort of kind of faded off just a little bit. Didn't really race that well in either of the Empire Breeders Classic. Came first up in the final, only to tire to finish seventh, missing by eight lengths. The horse I like, Mike, actually draws to the inside and is coming off a New York Sire Stakes win at Vernon Downs in 149-2. and two. I think Bottom Deals has a chance to present a little bit of value here. Driving Kim Tietrick for trainer Linda Toscano. And if you can listen, if you can get 7-2, to two, more power to you. And the eighth is from the Gelding Trotters. And uh, this is a pretty nice race. Small, down, small town throwdown. A three-year-old Gelding Trotter is uh, one almost a half a million dollars. As a matter of fact, a good showing will put him over that mark here. Draws the inside for trainer driver uh, Dan Daly, who uh, has just got a really, really nice trotter here. 54 at Saratoga, I think, for a three-year-old trotter is a pretty darn good effort there. You've got the Oka Swanstat charge, Dante, who is very dangerous. Dayton, who I would think would be the one that draws post-date. So certainly at Yonkers, that really throws a monkey wrench into those plans. Uh, small town throwdown, in the beat? You know, small town throwdown is a very, very nice horse. But you've got to go back. The last time that Dayson was on the outside was in the Ackerman at the Meadowlands. Started from post 10 and absolutely just raced amazing. One by four lengths. Now, made an uncharacteristic break, affecting two breaks. Uh, at Yonkers in the New York Sire Stakes last time out. That is a huge, huge red flag to me uh, that maybe this horse didn't like the racing surface at Yonkers uh, for whatever reason. But, you know, the the horse then had to start from post number five with Jim Morrill Jr. aboard. Again, what I said before, Jim Morrill Jr. and Trotters, I just don't like the combination. I think Brian Sears being added could present some value and definitely could help this horse out. All right. Well, that's coming up at Yonkers Raceway. So some big action coming up at Mohawk and Yonkers on Saturday. Well, Mike, it's been a whirlwind show. Uh, I'll tell you what, you with your heart out over there at uh, Delaware, Ohio, watching some great action there. The Little Brown Jug goes to betting line in 149. You saw some other great races as well. Had a chance to uh, be a part of that big, big crowd that shows up each and every year at the Little Brown Jug. And uh, the weather cooperated. It may have been a little warm, but certainly it could have been a lot worse. As a matter of fact, Mike, Sam McKee during the broadcast made a, made a very good point when he was talking to Wendy Ross. He said, you know, we've been sitting here when it was 40 degrees, and we've been sitting here when it's darn close to 90. So you could – there's nothing that is off the table when it comes to weather-wise in Ohio come late September. That's right. <laughs> it could be snowing. Who knows? I mean, uh, no, I don't think could we've ever seen snow. snow like, we had, uh, like we had in Buffalo that one time. Yeah, boy. Yeah, January. You know about Januarys in Buffalo all too well, don't you, buddy? Oh yeah, I know about it way too well. <laughs> yes. Now listen, real quick, before we end the show, listen real quick yeah. before we end the show. Um, coming up at the end of the year, uh, we are going to have our post time with Mike and Mike award show again, and um, we're going to announce the uh, categories for you over the next couple of weeks. And then what we're going to do is 
um, you know, and Mike, I haven't talked to you about this yet, so this is new information for you. Okay, I'm just gonna let you know. And one of the uh, things, Mike, one of the things I like, one of the things I like about this show, Mike, is we tend to have our staff meetings live on the air, so that's a good thing. Transparency. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. We have our staff meetings live on the air. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna do it a little bit differently this year. Last year we took nominations, and then we, me and Mike, narrowed it down to five in each category. What I think we're going to do is we're going to put a panel of probably three or four people together and, you know, let them hash out the nominations and uh, make the final five. And we're going to do the same thing again like we did last year, one vote per person uh, when it comes time, and we're going to send it to an independent third-party company once again like we did the last time and uh, have them tabulate the votes for us. But we're really excited about the Post Time with Mike and Mike Award Show coming up in December. But, Mike, we gotta, we're going to have to start planning it now. Yes, certainly, and we'll have to see what the stockholders think about that, Mike. So uh, when we have our, uh, our end of the month, we'll have to uh, take stock and see what the stockholders think about that. That sounds that sounds like a tremendous idea to me. And we do have a big announcement, Mike, uh, that we do want to make at this time. Uh, we're going to uh, start in the next couple of weeks or so uh, featuring in a segment, much like we did Running Aces, uh, Pompano Park. And they have done a terrific job. Uh, over the last couple of years in promoting their product and Brett Revington and, and uh, Dave Pruitt, our good friend, and a lot of the, the guys and gals down there have done a fantastic job of promoting that product. They're going to take a step forward, and uh, we've agreed to a partnership, and uh, we're going to be doing a lot more about Pompano Park from this edition in the coming uh, weeks and months here on this show. So we're certainly excited uh, with the opportunity of working uh, with Brett Revington and uh, Gabe Pruitt. And if you haven't heard the news, Isle of Capri has uh, sold Pompano Park to uh, El Dorado, the same company that owns Mountaineer Park, Scioto Downs, and some others. So I don't think that the actual transaction, Mike, is going to take place until 2017. But uh, nonetheless, that uh, that is out there. Yeah, definitely, Mike. And, uh you know, listen, I'm really excited to work with these guys. I actually talked with Gabe Pruitt some today, and he's going to come on live each and every week. And uh, we're really, really excited to uh, to work with this team, and uh, they're a great group of guys down there. All right. Well, anything else, Mike, before we wrap this thing up? No, no. I think I've done pretty much everything I can do today, so uh, that's it for me. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate everybody joining us. Special thanks to the sponsors. Special thanks to Brian Sears, Jessica Otten joining the program. Uh, Allison Conti was going to join the program, but she uh, was just tied up. And we knew when the races ra uh, ran a little long that she was going to be tied up in her duties. So uh, we'll certainly get her back on uh, maybe next week to get thoughts on uh, what was a great little brown jug taken by betting line in 149, a world record for uh, three-year-old cold paces. So on behalf of all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, we'll see you again next Thursday with the first post of 7 p.m. Good night, everybody.